Combo Nation, quick personal update. I did have knee surgery yesterday. All is well, I'm feeling better. It was long overdue. It was much needed. Glad I got it done. Thank you to everyone who's been reaching out. Much appreciate, man. Appreciate the continued support. Combo Nation, we are here and here we are with another episode. Thank you so much for the continued support. Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 246 of Combo's Court in I am combo don't forget to rate review and punch down on that subscribe button we greatly appreciate it thank you for the continued support we are here today's show los angeles lakers coaching associate max hooper joins in max is a former player himself who played for harvard st john's oakland university and the g league he is now on the coaching staff of the Lakers. A fantastic conversation with Max. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You could find Max on Twitter and Instagram at MaxTheHooper. That's M-A-X-T-H-E-H-O-O-P-E-R. You know you could find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Hooper, man. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. How you feeling today? I'm feeling great. You know, you reached out and said there's been 200 guests. So I was like, man, this man's been putting in some work. I don't know how, I don't know over what period, but that's a lot of guests, a lot of conversations, a lot of hoops talked about. So yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely. You know, uh, I probably should have had you on about a hundred episodes ago. Hey, my fault, hey, my fault, bro. My I'm fault. just ready to, I'm just ready to add to the pile of 201 now or whatever it is now you know so. yeah we're, we're we're almost at 250 max we're almost, so, i love it uh, <laughs> I, I don't i don't mean to shortchange you man. i love, it. I love Ma- it max man let me give you your proper introduction of uh, max played at harvard st john's oakland university then in the g league currently part of the lakers coaching staff working remotely correct me if i'm wrong with any of this max but no nah, you you got it that's what the <laughs> internet says so it's true <laughs> But uh, how's work for you, man? It must be interesting. Yeah, we are like, I think like everyone, uh, we're in unprecedented times. And uh, once the pandemic hit, you know, it was last year I was with the Lakers in a video role. Um, and it was it was a blessing every day to walk in that practice facility, be around all those guys. And then once the pandemic hit, they kind of just, you know, anyone who was quote unquote extra was kind of sent home beyond like just the players, coaching staff, medical staff. So um, you know, anyone who's done the film grind and who understands, you know, what goes into being a video coordinator, you, I mean, you could do your work from Africa. You could do your work from anywhere, um, in terms of scouting and preparation. So as long as you got internet connection, that's all you need in a laptop. Um, so it does, it does suck to miss out on the on-court opportunities, just learning every day from those guys. But I mean, in terms of being able to continue to do it during the pandemic and continue to study the game and, I mean, if you're, I mean, I'm watching, you know, more NBA basketball than I can handle every night. So uh, I love it. I love it. And uh, I'm fortunate because um, not every, you know, not all the teams kept their whole video staff and not all the teams kept all their uh, members. So I'm fortunate to still be in the mix and find a way to keep growing and learning. That's my mentality, really. So official title is video coordinator. 
coaching uh, coaching associate. Uh, okay. The next step would be video coordinator, full, which is like a, uh, just another another rung up the ladder. That, that's the goal, you know, in the next year or two. Nice, nice. All right, you're making your way up, Max. You're making your way up. Yeah, look, <laughs> it's a ladder. I'm on the ladder. You know, that's yeah, half the battle. Just getting on it. Now you got to climb. Nah, most definitely, most definitely. Now you're gonna put the work in. Uh, I want to get to your journey, but one quick question about that. Um, do you any, do you think there's anything you lose not seeing games sometimes in person? Like, is there something that is tough to evaluate not actually being at a game in person? Uh, not so much to evaluate. I, I what I feel like I'm missing most is practice. You know, because um, yeah. when I'm there with Coach Vogel and Jason Kidd, like classes in session in terms of just developing as a young coach, like. Right. Um, in terms of, you know, preparation for a superstar, you know, what defensive scheme are we going to throw at James Harden and, and Durant or, and, you know, maybe I'd see it on film, but I want to know how coach Vogel spoke about it and, you know, how he introduces concepts or maybe we put in a new, a new set that gets LeBron really good post-up touches. We can see it on film, but cl- like I said, classes and set. it's, it's when the, it's when the professor's yeah. talking and uh, you know, you get to t- the, to gather the little, um, the little breadcrumbs as they go. Uh, so that's probably the biggest thing you miss. And honestly, uh, in my role, I, at Lakers games, I'm, I'm back in the, uh, back in the video room, cutting up the game to have it ready for our halftime. Cause at halftime we show uh, clips at halftime. So I'm not even watching in person. Uh, so really the biggest thing I'm missing is being at those practices, walkthroughs, shoot arounds, um, just to soak up knowledge. And, and then, you know, that helps my film analysis as well. A lot of knowledge to be learned when you have LeBron, LeBron, Vogel, and Jason Kidd. So much. Yeah. Every day. All right. Let's shift to your journey. Um, Last name Hooper, but don't, you don't really, you didn't really come from a basketball family. I did not. Your dad, your dad was in the entertainment music, music business, if I'm correct. Um, Tell me about your relationship with him and just your earliest memories of playing the game. Man. I mean, like, my relationship with my dad who unfortunately passed in 2016 you know he Sorry we, for uh, thank you thank you we we started our we started our my basketball journey early i was a kid i was from a small town in california um so there wasn't tons of you know leagues there was leagues but nothing super competitive and super uh just super extravagant so really it started with me in the backyard just shooting 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 shots watching nba games um, you know, I was born in 1992, so th- I caught the end of Michael Jordan, you know, uh, right. the end of the Michael Jordan era, watching Michael Jordan, watching the Utah Jazz and just being inspired by it and lighting a fire of that young four or five year old boy who just loved the game. I don't know why, you know, I don't know why I turned on a basketball game and just loved it. I just I just loved it. Um, like like you said, um, parents never pushed me towards it. I didn't have siblings who played, didn't have cousins who played, didn't really have much of a connection at all to the game that was just a passion from within. And then it grew from there. And my father was, uh, for people who don't know him was one of those parents who was pretty much always there to lend a helping hand and any opportunity that I needed, he always afforded me. And, you know, he, uh, he was there every step of the way for me. So, um, I was incredibly, uh, grateful and, uh, always help, uh, always grateful for his guidance basically, because he was there at every step of the way, starting from youth basketball, high school, college, and, um, yeah, just an extremely supportive parent that uh, not not everyone is fortunate enough to have. Most definitely. You definitely had an interesting journey throughout basketball. Well, I think I did as well. So, you know, I bounced around a lot, high school, 
Um, sure. Even overseas, it was probably like 10 teams. But I want to go. I want to get all the way to college with you because it was really interesting with you from Harvard to St. John's, which that's definitely an interesting transition. And then to Oakland yeah. University. Tell me about your journey and how much of your moving around had to do with you just wanting to play after college. Yeah, I mean, for me, the 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 number one goal was always, and I mean, as it is for most players, it was to play in the NBA, you know, and or right. at least to give my best shot at playing in the NBA, 100%. knowing, hundred percent, knowing that, yeah, as it should be for everyone, but knowing that I love the game so much that that would, you know, like the phrase "shoot for the moon." If you don't make it, you'll land amongst the stars. I mean, ironically enough, I'm with LeBron James, Anthony Davis. So I kind of did land amongst the stars. But <laughs> like for me, it was like I was OK with going all out on pursuing that dream and knowing that investing in that was I knew I would want to be a coach one day or I knew I'd want to be. I, I had to be some, somewhat involved in basketball, you know, right. Um, as as the people I'm sure you've seen guys you've seen and played with guys who have that fire and love the game. But then there's some guys, you know, basketball, is just kind of what they do. And then once their body can't let them play at a high level, then it's like, you know, they don't have yeah. the passion and drive to continue to be around the game. So for me, it was always shoot for the moon, tr tr basically do everything po humanly possible to try to play in the NBA and achieve that goal that that was born from that four or five year old boy shooting in the backyard. That was always the goal because that's that was the target. You see it on TV and um, and then just, you know, uh, give your best shot. And then, I, you know, I had my opportunities, you know, played NBA summer league, played in the G league, um, put, got some of the NBA workouts cause I had a good, good enough college career. And then the chips fell where they, where they were. And I have no regrets. I gave everything I had. And now, you know, here we are and bouncing around from school to school, you know, from a basketball perspective, probably should have been at Oakland university all four years, just from a fit. Did they recruit you? Did they recruit you out of high school? Yeah. That's a story in itself. They, uh, because I did a prep year, prep, uh, fifth year of high school uh, right. at Brewster Academy. They recruited me out of high school. They recruited me out of prep school. Wow. They recruited me when I transferred from Harvard. And then the the, the story, uh, when when I transferred from St. John's, basically Greg Campy called me and was like, hey, man, if you want to come, you can come. I'm not going to recruit you anymore because this hasn't worked out too well. <laughs> and he was like, he had, he I mean, he obviously had a vision for you. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, for people who aren't familiar with Oakland, like before myself was Travis Bader, who just until recently had the most made three pointers in Division One history. Um, it just got broken, I think, two years ago. But it's a it's a shooter system. You know, shooters are going to get their shots up there. He's going to run plays to get his shooter shots, and the style of play emphasizes getting the shooters shots because he thinks that's what's going to give him a chance to be successful on the offensive end. So. Um, Looking back, probably should have been there all four years, but you get in, you know, I did well enough academically. I had the opportunity to go to Harvard, kind of tough to turn that down at the time. And then uh, life takes its turns and courses. During my year at Harvard, my dad actually got diagnosed with a pretty serious, um, you know, form of cancer. I wasn't playing at all. I was just in a, just in a place in life that I needed to turn the page and needed a fresh start. Kind of a crazy move, but, uh, you know, as the kids say, bet on yourself. <laughs> I don't yeah, I mean, and, that, and, and I think you were 
probably that was at a time when it wasn't as cool to transfer and bet on yourself. It, it was right before yeah. that. It was right before that. I would say, right. The, the, the floodgates were about to open. I think. Okay. Okay. The floodgates yeah. were about to go. Open. They, they were in the process of opening, but now it's like, now it's yeah. like, just, it's like normal to see like all these colleges on somebody's resume, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't as, uh, but the academics is what helped me because I was able to graduate early and that's why I got two years at Oakland because I, I got my master's uh, on scholarship there. Um, cause I did the five years, but graduated in three. So then I went to St. Me going to St. John's was basically like, I'm just going to, you know, see if I'm good enough. You know, like if, if, if I can make it happen at St. John's, then I'd probably have a good chance to play in the NBA. Yeah. And if not, then I'm probably not good enough to play in the NBA. And then I went there and had, had some highs and had some lows. So I still wasn't kind of, was that more because of opportunity or more because of you, the highs and the lows? Uh, or a combination a, a mix you know okay. I, I i was I, I played 10 minutes a game you know so yeah. i de- definitely wasn't a, a mainstay in the rotation right but i i think i was probably in over my head a little bit but also is, it, the, the, is that tough ahead. as a shooter for you like when it's only 10 minutes like if yeah. you, you know I mean, we can touch on that a little bit later if you want to but that's for me i mean i can t- actually i can touch on it right now because going to st john's i was kind of in a support role i was you know space the court run in transition look for your shot right in the half court not much screening action you know not much set action that's going to get you loose and i worked on my one dribble you know i worked on my shot fake i worked on my those sorts of things but i'm not a i was never an an iso heavy guy who could who could make it happen off six seven eight dribbles and um that just wasn't the the x's and o system we had in place First day I show up at Oakland University, there's five sets that were put in with either two or three screens to get me shots. First time I ran one, I hit the shot. Second time I ran it, I didn't shoot it, hit the pocket pass. Coach Campy called timeout. What the F is wrong with you? I brought you here for one reason, and that's to shoot the ball. If I call a play for you, you have to shoot the ball. Otherwise, why am I calling a play for you? So then the mindset shifted, you know. Like yeah. when you're given that type of free reign and confidence, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure like what your skill set or game was as a player, but if you, whatever it was, when a coach told you to let you rock and do your thing, a hundred percent, you know, yeah. it's a hundred percent empowerment is a real, real thing. Um, no yeah. matter how good you are, no matter how good yeah. you are, you know, that green light is real, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that, that, that's a microcosm, you know, uh, of fit and going somewhere where you're going to, do what you do what you do and do it to the best of your abilities. So he basically empowered me, gave me the green light and said, let it rip pretty much at any time. And as a shooter, you feel like you feel unstoppable when you have that type of confidence. And then that, that same confidence came from my teammates. And uh, so that's kind of comparing and contrasting those two situations. Yeah, most definitely. For those that don't know, Max did not attempt a two pointer that year, right? <laughs> Senior season. Yeah. Two, Senior 257. Season. Yeah. So there was never a time somebody ran you off the line, one dribble gets to the rim. Like, that, that, that's crazy that there wasn't one. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. Yeah, nuts. that is I crazy. Mean, anyone, anyone who knew me, you know, from high school leading up to that point, like, if they were to ask to des- describe my basketball game in one sentence, it would be like three-point shooter. Right. Um, but probably 90% of my shots would have been threes, you know. Uh, maybe the shot fake mid-range, maybe – I wasn't a great defender, so I wasn't get, getting in the passing lanes. Not many run out layups. I, 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 Max, I, I wasn't a great defender either. Don't worry about hey, it. Hey, I'm, 
I'm all right with it because it's like <laughs> I'd rather be an A plus shooter and a D defender than a C and a B. You know? Yeah, so, right, right. No, most definitely, um, most definitely. But yeah, I mean, and then that season, kind of like I touched on, like set actions were all designed to get me threes. Um, what I developed was the shot fake sidestep, stay behind, which now everyone does that, but people yeah. weren't really doing that as much then. Yeah. Um, as a three and D guy, as a three and D guy, like in the league, you need that pretty much, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the extension of just the catch and shoot. And it's right. basically a catch and shoot. Cause if you really get them in the air, then it's not like you're off balance or anything. It's right. not the Duncan Robinson twisting and turning and fading. You're still on balance. Right. Right. So I added that and then, um, just got better at moving without the ball because you can't be, you can't be stagnant, especially when your coaches, the goal was to shoot 10 threes a game. That was my coach's goal for me. So you're not gonna be able to do that. Just spotting up. And, and I mean, it, it's kind of happenstance that I didn't step on the line. I mean, how, how did that not happen? Right. Um, yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 257 times, not once I didn't step on it. So, and I wasn't a guy, I didn't shoot like the, the Dame Lillard threes. I would shoot, a little bit deep, but most of my threes, if you watch, were kind of right around the arc um, for whatever reason. Court awareness, Max, court awareness, you know? Exactly. And then <laughs> the last reason I can account for it is I play with Kay Felder, NBA yeah, draft pick. Definitely. Tw- 25 points a game. Well, so was also passing, have- but, but he was also passing, which helped you, you know? Yeah, led the nation yeah. in assists and I yeah. believe fourth in scoring. So if I didn't have the, if I didn't have the shot, I'm going to give it to Kay Felder so he can get to the rim rather than myself. Um, so playing, playing to everyone's strengths, you know? That was kind of the mentality and how that happened. Most definitely. I wanted to shift to your work with the Lakers. But before then, I mean, you played in the G League. What went into your decision of not continuing your pro career? Because it was pretty early, right? I, I played two years. Okay. Um, and I think briefly in the G League, was on the roster, got cut as the G League can be cutthroat, got brought yeah, back onto the roster, and never really got a, got a real crack at it. To really was there, offer, was there offers overseas? Um, there was some, there was some interest initially overseas. Once I kind of went to the G league, uh, I mean, there were still options, but definitely, uh, and I played in Canada one year. I played in Canada after that. Yeah. That's an underrated league. Actually. It's not, the talent is really good. Exactly. Exactly. The talent is really, the talent is comparable to G league talent. I would say. Yeah. Pretty close. Um, Yep. It's just, uh, the biggest thing is just trying to have a great season and try to find somewhere else where you can, you know, hopefully get to Europe or whatever. Yeah. So, not, so I went there and um, I could have, I definitely could have continued to push, but kind of where I was at was it, it really wasn't materializing in terms of contracts, in terms of opportunities. And I had poured my heart and soul into it. And I just kind of woke up like one day I'm, I'm, I feel, I felt like I was like slaving away at this thing. It just wasn't, I, would, I just wasn't catching my break. And I suppose I could have kept going. But for me, I was like, you know what? I want to shift and, like, pour myself into being the best coach I can be. And I did that when I was 26. So, I like, like I feel like that's a good age to get started coaching. You know, you, you haven't – like, now I'm 29. So, I'm glad I did um, – I coached a year at Brewster Academy and okay. started with the Lakers. Like, I'm glad I did those things a little bit earlier so that hopefully – you know, now in these coming years, I can really start to rev things up in advance. Um, so that was kind of my mentality. And, you know, one day I just kind of took a switch and flipped it from, I want to be the best player I can be to, I want to be the best coach I can possibly be. Most and definitely. it's been pedal to the metal ever since basically. 
Most definitely. So how did the Lakers job come about? And also, what kind of scouting are you doing? I have an idea what kind of scouting you're doing, but for the fans and the listeners, like, you know, there's different types of scouting. There's international scouting. There's advanced scouting. There's yeah. scouting your own team. What kind of scouting are you focused on? And how did the yeah. job come about? Yeah, so those are two two separate questions. I'll tackle yeah. the uh, the first one. How did the job come about before we get into it? So um, being in basketball, it's all about relationships, um, yep. as I'm sure you know, and I'm sure a lot of people who, uh, you know, who are in the basketball world know. So in high school, I, um, I, I uh, graduated from Modern Day High School, which is in Orange County, a great program. Right. And when I was at Modern Day, I was fortunate enough to meet um, Miles Simon, who was a uh, University of Arizona legend, obviously number retired, only national championship. He was the MVP of the Final Four and a Modern Day legend. So at the time, he was uh, helping out with the Modern Day team. He was doing commentating, uh, college commentating at the time. But he would just come and practice with us. So I got to develop a relationship with Miles. Our families got close. I would always train with him in the offseason um, in college as well. So we kept that relationship. Then in uh, 2017, Miles was like, it looks like when Luke Walton was with the Lakers, he said, it looks like I'm going to be able to get on the Lakers coaching staff. So he stayed on when Vogel, uh, excuse me, when Vogel, uh, Walton got fired, Vogel got hired. And then I told, you know, when I set, wanted to start coaching, I just reached out to everyone in the basketball world that I could, you know, just empty my Rolodex of people. Just, hey, this is what I want to do. Any opportunity that comes up, let me know. And then for um, any for any people listening, that's the way you got to be in this. world. Have to. Yeah, you have, have to. to. Yeah, definitely. It's too competitive. You know, you're not opportunities aren't going to fall in your lap. You know, 100%. you got to go get them. And uh, so. That process was stressful. I'm making the process sound easy. It was. It, it it didn't come as easy as that. Had to had to bang on that door plenty of times. But ultimately, when the hiring process finished, Miles got me in the door, introduced me to the right people on the video staff. They made the final call. Well, Coach Vogel made the final call, but they sent the recommendation upwards. And then in August 2019, got hired there, and uh, had a couple interviews with a couple other teams. The Lakers offered me first. I ran with, I took it and ran with it and didn't look back. So um, that's how the opportunity came up. And it's, uh, it was a whirlwind. I made it, it that, that, that one minute synopsis made it sound easy. It was a whirlwind, <laughs> but, um, and then to, to the, the type of scouting. So for fans or listeners or whoever, or if anyone wants to learn about like the video room or what we do. So each game on our schedule, we watch the five previous games. So we're about wow. to play the Phoenix Suns. We've watched those five games. Not only watched, they're all broken Full down. Full games or second spectrum? Uh, I'll, I'll, I mean, I can tell you how the process goes. So we cut each game up, meaning clip okay. by clip, offense, defense, offense, defense. Each clip has a uh, personnel result. So like made two, missed two, which player. And then it, we, by working with the advanced scout, we learn pretty much, we learn every play they run. So we label each play that they've run. So then each game has all that. And then you create different edits. So you create the offensive edit, a uh, hundred clips of their most, uh, their favorite plays, their, their most common actions. Give that to the coaches, their defensive edit. How do they defend mid pick and rolls, uh, side pick and rolls, post-ups, hundred clips of that, send it to the coaches so they can, you know, put their game plan together. 
And then beyond that, it, it'll probably be special projects. So a coach could ask you, you know, give me 20 clips of Devin Booker isolations so we can, you know, figure out the best, like how did other teams guard him and yeah. best ways to strategize against him. And then, the, and then it's personnel too. Um, this guy's a shooter. This guy's not a shooter. This guy goes left. This guy goes right. So on my end, it's probably, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours of work going into each game. Um, and I think fans would underestimate that. I had no clue that that's how much work you had to put in on each, you know, as a player, you get the little scouting report, but it's like, yeah, this guy goes left. Yeah, well, yeah. It took a little while to, you know, to sift through all the clips and watch all the ones that you needed to, and just a lot of work. But if you love the game, you know, it makes sense. You gotta love the game, though. You can't. You're gonna if you if you if you don't like walk, watching NBA basketball at 3 a.m., you know, then you're probably gonna run out of steam. But for me, I, I eat this stuff up. I love it. And, well, is that? Um, yeah, most yeah. definitely. A lot of the teams are running very, very similar sets, right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Does that I – mean, so what, what, what's the variance from team to team? Just personnel pretty much? Uh, I would say, yeah, you know, it's like if we're playing Joel Embiid, um, yeah. they're going to be running uh, stuff that's going to get him post-touches versus if we're playing, you know, well, last year Houston – yeah, with well, PJ yeah. Tucker at the five, they're not, they're never posting up. And James Harden's isolating, you know, whatever percent of the time. So th those are totally different looks. The base looks, you know, drag screens, double drags, right. staggers, and delay action, you know, playing through the trailer. Those are NBA offensive building blocks, I would say. But then it's, there's more nuance to it. You know, everyone can say, oh, yeah, they run the same stuff. But Dame Lillard coming off a drag screen you know, is different than a different – because he's shooting for 28 feet versus a different guard coming off. Or some teams have lob threats, some teams don't. So, yeah, uh, it's in the nuance, I would say, is the – and then there's some stuff that other teams are just not going to do. Um, not every team has Duncan Robinson, so they're not going to run shooter actions or Joe Harris. Um, not every team has Chris Paul. Not every team has LeBron, you know. So, like, I think, like you said, personnel is going to determine a lot of stuff. But – it's going to determine uh, what they're going to run and how we need to defend them too. Well, definitely. You mentioned Duncan um, and the Miami heat are so great at getting players that double down on their strengths. Do you think it would benefit him at this point to start adding to his game or should he continue to double down on what he does well as a, from one shooter to another? Like, yeah, I mean, I, great question. I had a chance actually to work out with Duncan Robinson in, one for one summer in LA in 2016. And I was like, man, he he's grown since then too. But that, I was like, yeah. man, this guy's like six, seven, just firing it. Um, pretty incredible. His story, obviously his story has been touched on many times, you know, in the media, but I think, well, now that he, he's a full blown NBA starter, so maybe he can start to add to his package a little bit, but I mean, I think he needs to stick to what he does, which is basically run around in circles and wreak havoc. <laughs> right. Like, right. It's so right. hard so hard to defend when a, a guy shoots I don't know exactly what he's shooting this year but last year he shot like 45 percent on like eight threes a game not just standing there like I said you know running around in circles stagger screens you know handoffs from Bam um so you know maybe he can add like the floater when they when he when they when they can't get over the top but I mean he shoots it so well I think he needs to you know continue to stick to his guns and just fire away
Most definitely. Uh, while you're scouting, who's the toughest guy to prepare for? Like, you're just like, I don't know what to tell you, man. You know, like <laughs> this guy, like who are some of the guys like that for you? I mean, it's the, it's the obvious ones, you know, yeah. like when you write a scouting report on like, who ever written a scouting, like Dame Lillard, when you write a scouting report on him, it's like, all right, he shoots 40, uh, 38% from, uh, 35 feet or further. And then, yeah. You know, he's shooting almost 10 threes a game at like 40%. And then he's shooting almost eight free throws a game at 93%. So don't let him shoot a three. Also, he shoots 60% from mid-range. And don't foul him. He's going to make the free throws. So it's kind of like... And he's finishing better this season. Yeah, I think the stat was... Uh, shoot, I don't want to get caught off guard. But I think it was like 63% at the rim. Like something, yeah, something crazy, nuts. Man. So, I mean, in terms of just... I would say don't foul, you know, every shot needs to be contested and then don't foul would be the biggest things. But with that guy, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And yeah. Brooklyn wasn't my scout. So I, I didn't prepare for them, but like, I can only imagine writing a scout on KD. Like, yeah, it's because right. you, it's funny. Cause you say for Dame, who's incredibly hard to guard, just contest. Like you really can't even contest with Durant. He's just shooting right mm-hmm. over, you know? Yeah. It's unless like, you're Davis, you know, unless you're Anthony yeah, Davis. Like, okay. Yeah. True. True. No one's, no one's hand is going to affect him. You're right. I mean, he's the guy's seven feet, incredible skill set, really, really with kind of kind of unique in terms of all time. We've never seen anything like him. Um, definitely. Those type of those are the type of I mean, the superstar type of guys are the ones you, you know, don't want to kill you. But then what you also have to keep in mind is the Della the de, excuse me, the development of the superstars is that they become great passers. So then, you know a strategy that teams don't do. They don't double LeBron in the post. And obviously that's a mismatch because LeBron can score on a lot of people. But if you double LeBron, that guy's consistently finding wide open, you know, the Caldwell Popes and the Kuzmas who are, you know, close to 40% from three on standstill shots. So if you're giving up those consistently, it's probably, and you know, some days you miss, but you don't want to bet on that because those guys are going to make those shots. And those are easy. You know, you you don't want to give people easy things. Um, yeah. So that's part of, uh, you know, you don't want the, the others, as you call them, the others, the other guys, you don't want them to have their career night against you. Cause then that's how you, that's how you typically lose. Most definitely. I mean, you've been watching a lot of film. Uh, what have you learned about the NBA game in particular? Cause the NBA game is, is so different from any, from any other game, but what are also, but what are some of the common misconceptions you hear about the NBA game? from the fans and the media, even though a lot of media members are now from like front offices and former coaches. So, you know, there yeah. might not be as many misconceptions there, but from what you see from watching all this film. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the, the first thing is number one, the guys don't play hard, which yeah. is like, yeah, yes, there's a different level in the playoffs, Yeah, but these dudes, I mean, just like there's a different level in the last minute when the game is yeah. tied, you know, yeah. there's going to be different levels. Yeah. A, a Tuesday night game, you know, Lakers versus, you know, whoever it might be, Lakers versus whatever, what's a random team, Lakers versus Charlotte on a Tuesday night. Is LeBron going as hard as he would in game six of the finals? No. Is LeBron playing, is LeBron playing at 85 to 90% exertion and extremely high level? Absolutely. You know what I mean? I mean, these guys are going to battle every night and obviously they're pros and um, sometimes one team's just going to get the best of them and it's going to be a crappy game or whatever. But I think the level of competition every single night, night in and night out, is underrated because um, it's easy for fans to just sit there. Oh, he didn't dive on that ball. 
well, this is game 64, and he's played three games in five days in, in, in uh, three different cities. Yeah, so, but, so, but somebody who has never played might not even understand what that means, really. Yeah, no clue. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you have no clue what you're – I don't know what my – I've never played three games in five days in three cities. Yeah, you know, yeah, never yeah that. definitely. In college, I mean – No, just even going three cities without playing a game is, is like, tough. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, these guys are the best of the best, the elite of the elite, and, you know, the, the level of exertion, I think, is underrated. And I also think people say, oh, the NBA doesn't run plays or they, they just kind of roll the balls out. I mean, a lot of it is the shot clock's 24 seconds. So stuff's got to happen quickly. So it's quick, quick, just mid pick and roll ball screen or maybe just a pin down. But then where the NBA flourishes with actions is the after timeout plays. So or dead ball or free throws. So when the offense is set, you're coming out. And what a lot of teams do is, they have base things they run. They run a drag screen or they run a stagger screen, but then they'll run a quick counter after the timeout to get a good look um, that's drawn up. And, you know, fans fans wouldn't know, oh, they just ran some intricate action. They'd just be like, oh, that guy missed a shot or that guy had a dunk. Like, yeah. Um, so the nuance there is oh, after timeout, because I, I, I love X's and O's and I, I'm kind of a, a nerd that way. So I, I always love studying the, after timeout plays and learning why they run them and who they're running for and stuff like that. Most definitely. I mean, you didn't shoot many mid range shots your uh, senior year, but I mean, do you feel like it's a misconception that the mid range is dead in the NBA? Like, oh, you're I, completely. I mean, like the best, the best players, especially in the playoffs, are getting to their mid range, especially like a job coverage. You know, like it's happening. Yeah, that. I mean, why, go watch go watch three games of Chris Paul. The guys, the guys, a mid range sniper. You know what I mean? He's yeah. A Assassin. Go watch C.J. McCollum, mid-range assassin, LeBron, Kawhi. Like, I would yeah. say it's mostly superstars living there, you know, because if you're if you're a guy who's going to get three, four, five shots off the bench, right? probably want to be corner threes or layups um, for the most part. I mean, depending on your role, your role is going to develop. But, I mean, the numbers don't lie that those are the most effective shots um, as a whole. But it's basketball. Like, there's three seconds left on the shot clock. You get run off, you got to let that mid-range fly. Um, but the, the, so the studs, the studs live in the mid range and you Most know, definitely. They, they, especially if they're efficient at it, you know, they, they, um, cause the defense is taking away threes in the layups for the, a lot of the time. That's, right. That's, you know, the casual fan doesn't understand that. Like just shoot threes and layups. Well, it's easier said than done because the flip well, side some ca- is, well, some casual fans complain about that, that they're yeah, shooting too true. many threes. Yeah. True. <laughs> so you can never win, but it's, but it's like the defense, <laughs> At the same time, the defense wants to take away the most effective shots. So right, right, you're, you're right. hard closing out, and you're you know going vertical at the rim, protecting at the rim. And we had Javale McGee and Dwight Howard last year. Imagine trying to score at the rim there. And oh, and Anthony Davis is coming by to block your shot. And LeBron. Yeah, and so our LeBron. rim protection was <laughs> was elite. Um, but yeah, it's like there's a lot that goes into the game that uh, just people who don't study it, you know, or who didn't play at a, at a at a high level, don't understand. Yeah. Um, before you were working remotely, a few more before we got before we get out of here. Before you were working yeah. remotely, you were in the practice facility. You were there with the Lakers. What is a practice like with LeBron James and the Lakers? Crazy. I mean, well, the drills you're doing, you know, they're drills. You you played at a high level for a long time, and like that, it you know, it wouldn't be drills you haven't seen. You know, it wouldn't be drills uh, someone hasn't seen, but. Right. Just the level of detail, number one, you know, at the level of detail, 
the level that these guys are able to execute at because of basketball IQ and just like you, I, w- I would stand on the sidelines and be like, we got LeBron who last year, year 17, Dwight Howard, year 16, Rondo, whatever, however many years he's put in. Um, Jared Dudley's been in the league. You know, these are guys who have been, they've played a lot of basketball, like almost more basketball at a high level than anyone, <laughs> like anyone worldwide. You know what I mean? Yep. And um, just the knowledge that they have and the stuff that comes easy to them. Whereas I, you know, I coached high school at Brewster Academy, high level, but like these dudes haven't seen anything, you know, they, they, they have no, they have no basketball experience compared to these guys. So you don't need to tell these guys just the basics. So it's all in the nuance, you know, you're touching on details that these guys know how to, yeah. Uh, side pick and roll. Let's ice the side pick and roll. They know how to do that. You know, you don't need to, you're just touching on nuances. Hey, maybe you drop two feet back so that, you know, you can let the guy get over or just basic stuff like that. Then they, they pick up on stuff like that. And LeBron and Rondo's leadership, incredible, you know, going yeah. through uh, opponent plays, walking through an action. They always had these nuggets and tidbits that would small, but make all the difference. Um, and they add up. Yeah. They add up you know, when time, you come yeah. set the screen, flip it slightly at this angle so that if he tries to go over every, excuse me, if he tries to go under, I'll have the shot right behind her. Just little stuff like that. Um, pretty cool to be around and pick up on and you, you try to make mental notes. I, you know, I'd go down and write my journal, little uh, details that I would pick up each day. And then another one was another thing was when we would scrimmage and some days LeBron, you know, had load management, you know, where, where he wasn't uh, in the live action because, you know, if you played a back-to-back game or you played a bunch of games. And, you so know, wait, so my, my, my friend is actually assistant film guy in the NBA right now, and he gets on the court a little bit, right? So you were, were you getting yeah. on the court? Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Big part of my role. Yeah, you know, I had ju- just I had just you know just really stopped playing. So a big part of my role, the guy, the man, 12, 13, 14, 15, who aren't in the rotation. I mean, you know, as anyone, it's always a next man up mentality. So, right, right, right. So every, everyone's got to be ready. You know, you can't you can't get that rust. Um, if there's an injury, you know, the twelfth man becomes the eighth man, and the eighth man becomes the fifth man. You know, so um, and Max becomes the twelfth man precisely <laughs> yeah so i mean at first i was just kind of acting like a body out there it, it would be three on three or four on four i was just acting like a body and then like one of the coaches pulled me aside and was like yo there's like there's no point if you're just gonna swing it around and just you know just play passively like of you playing because these guys need to get a look so i yeah, said oh yeah. i said oh okay you know i'm, ba- I'm back say, i'm back as the, as the kids say say no more yeah um, <laughs> And so, like, it would be Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels and Jared Dudley. And then they're setting stagger screens for me. And they're like, just let it fly. Because Troy Daniels is going to get in the game and need to guard a stagger screen, right? Right, right, right. And he might he might be on Duncan Robinson. And then I can I can be the bootleg Duncan Robinson. Definitely and, can. <laughs> uh, so it was fun. It was really, really fun. But I also, you know, for me, it's like, if that's if I can help the team by doing that, I'm, I'm, I'm willing and ready and, you know, ready to do that. Because um, I want to just contribute in any way I can, especially just getting started, you know? So if that helps me, um, if, excuse me, if that helps the team then I'm, I'm all in. And it was, it was fun to do. Obviously I, I love to play. I could, I would play all day, every day if I still could. Um, but, uh, that was, that was, that was a great experience or even a Houston scout preparation. 
I was the PJ Tucker. I just stood in the corner. Every time you touch it, shoot it. And that uh, must have been fun. That's a great yeah, job. We, <laughs> and it was, you know, we had James Harden getting doubled. They're thrown out of the double. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, we made some like short little highlights of me playing in practice. So that was funny. <laughs> um, using the film skills to break it down. But, uh, oh, but that, yeah, that was, that was awesome, man. That was super. Post super that cool. on YouTube. Post that on YouTube, Max. <laughs> I, I think I'll keep that one in the archives. Man. All right. Maybe man. I'll unleash it one day. I'll leave, unleash it one day. Most definitely. So, Max, what's the long-term goal for you, man? What's the long-term goal with it? I mean, the same way with my playing career, I, I, I have lofty goals. You know, my goal is NBA head coach. Um, I think another great thing would be college head coach. You know, I haven't uh, worked in college, but I was, uh, you know, what I – like, I, my friends and I talk about it, like, and a couple of guys who work in the NBA, like, I didn't play in the NBA, you know, so I don't know – if that's going to affect that, but I did, I was a good college player, you know, so I have some roots there. So if an opportunity comes up, love to work in college. But for me right now, I'm hell bent on, you know, climbing the NBA ladder and uh, NBA head coach. That's, that's my long-term goal. And I think, you know, the saying is brick by brick or day by day, you know, I think you do that by studying, by studying each team. And I try not to go through the motions, you know, cause you can't, the scouting thing can, can be grueling. And you can kind of go through the motions, but I really try to synthesize information as I'm as I'm uh, sending it off to the coaches and really think about what I'm doing. Hey, if I was a head coach and we had Devin Booker, you know, coming up, what would I throw at him? And then, all right, let's see what Vogel does and like see if I had a different answer than he did and stuff like that. Always doing mental exercises like that. Most definitely, Max. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Um, Max, you're always welcome on the show. Please let us know where we could uh, find you on social media oh, yeah. or anywhere else. And I won't let, I won't let another ep, uh, 200 and where are we at? 40 something episodes pass uh, by the time we get you on again, man. We'll get you on. That's a lot. <laughs> I, I respect the hustle, man. I actually did a podcast. I know. I do my research. I do my yeah, research. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I listened to a little bit of the one with Alex. I think I listened to a little bit of that one. Yeah, man, yeah. you were working. You were working. <laughs> 2017, you know, I was like, I had just been cut in the G League. I was like, let me, let me, let me hop on here a little bit. And, it, you know, I respect the hustle. You know, you got to take time to prepare. And, um, you know, I was just – I was kind of got busy, you know, still continuing my career and then just kind of fell by the wayside. But it was fun. You know, it was fun. And uh, – but, like, 200 episodes, I was I was like, man, 10, 10 was a lot to prepare for. 200, I respect <laughs> that. But yeah. – uh, I mean, social- you get, when over time you get more time efficient. You know how to yeah. you know, get things done. You know, it's definitely – Cause like in the beginning I was doing like one, once a month, you know, and now yeah. uh, I don't promise how many episodes I do, but I do for the most part twice a week. So mm-hmm. yeah, you get quicker with it, you know, you get better. at Yeah. It. And, and you know how to ask the questions and everything like that. Appreciate it, that, uh, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, maybe I need to go back and listen to some of the older ones now. I don't know if I'll make it through 200. <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe yeah. I will if I get hooked. Yeah, yeah definitely. It, uh, you got your AirPods in, you know, you could, you could. Yeah, definitely. So social media is simple. Max the Hooper. Um, I think that's Instagram and Twitter. So, okay. You know, if any, I guess if anyone taps in and want, wants to ask uh, questions about the film grind or being a shooter or whatever, you know, feel free to fire away on there. If they, if they're so inclined, if they've made it through however many minutes we're out here. <laughs> most definitely. Most Max, you're always welcome back on the show. Uh, great having you on and talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, man. Anytime.
Appreciate you. Big shouts to Max for joining in. Great conversation. Had a lot of fun with that one. And thank you to everyone who listens to Combos Court across the globe. You are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Also, if you have Instagram, take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your IG stories, tag me at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E. T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. I'll share it and be on the lookout for episode 247. Combo out.